This podcast is a Kitty Wing production. Rockus Marcus. Rockus Marcus. My high school, I cry. 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 Start now. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of My High School iPod. The podcast where you have a guest come on every week. Uh, they play some of the music that they loved in high school. And uh, we listen to it and we talk about it and we get into it. And uh, we try to make sense of, of life back then and life now and, and what it all means. We're answering the big questions here. Um, fuck. Uh, <laughs> oh, iPod. Becky, look at her. High school. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. Uh, that should that, start that, out that, that can't way. be the, the one, though. I mean, I enjoyed it. I like I like wordplay, and especially stupid wordplay. Well, there you go. I checked both those boxes off. Uh, oh, I... Wait. Oh, I pod, Becky. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I'm just repeating it because I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> I don't um, think that's exactly what you said. I think you kind of messed it up when you were trying to do it, what and do you, it which what, made it even funnier. I think, I, okay, well, may, I thought I, maybe, I don't know. I, I just, thought you said, oh, I, Becky, look at her pod. Oh, oh no. I, pod, <laughs> Becky, look, look at, at her, her high, high school. school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is confusing. I, I make them up off the top of my head, if you couldn't tell. Uh, I am your host, Jay Howell. Still don't know how to start a podcast. Uh <laughs> I'm joined, as always, uh, by my co-host slash producer slash numero uno bro, uh, the one and only Muhammad Joma. Hey, buddy. How are you? I was just, just going to let you go as long as I was going to go could. for as long as I could because I, I lost uh, the intro music for the guest, so I'm trying to oh, pull okay. it back up. That's cool. We can, <laughs> we can, uh, well, aside from that, how are you? How I'm are good. Things? I'm great, buddy. I'm, I'm doing real good, and I found this song, so Perfect. Your I'm shirt on. matches the color of your headphones. Oh, Did you plan that? Uh, no, but I know it matches my uh, slides, which I took off because I felt too matchy. Do <laughs> <laughs> you ever see people who have, like, Beats by Dre that yeah. are like the same color as their outfit. And you're like, you have like 10 pairs of those. And you're just like, <laughs> or you wear one color all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, let's introduce our guest. I'm really excited to have him on. Mm. Our guest on this week's episode is a great friend of mine. Uh, he is a Atlanta artist. Uh, he's a wonderful musician. He plays bass in the band Evan Step and the Piners. Uh, he makes his own music as well. Super talented dude. Welcome to the podcast, Jeremy Ray. What's up, dude? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I wanted... Just cracked open one of these uh, J-Wisers here. Getting my mind right for the old podcast. If you ain't down with that, we got two words for you. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited uh, in this moment right now for many reasons. One, 
I'm stoked to have you on the podcast. We first started doing them. Uh, you, you had expressed that you wanted to come on, and I was like, absolutely, because uh, most of the people we've had on, I'm like, can you please come do the podcast? And they're like, I guess so, because we're <laughs> friends. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a great idea, and uh, I knew that we'd be able to just uh, hang out and talk about music and drink beers, yeah. and it would be easy, so that's exactly. why I wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you are many things, Jeremy. One of the things, uh, you're, you're a big wrestling fan, uh, and... You probably know way more than me, but for me, like when I, my peak of my wrestling career, when you heard that glass break, you knew shit was about oh, to go down. Oh man, it was like amazing. And then to like watch, if you're watching like Raw, um, and that you'd hear the glass break, and the arena would just like erupt. You're like whoever, <laughs> whoever wrote that song, it was like we gotta have some glass breaking. So the, the guy that wrote that song, I'm blanking on his first name now, but his last name was. Johnston, I believe. I don't want to sound foolish. And Jim Johnston. Jim Johnston. I, I have it right here. On oh, my phone, radical. So. so Jim Johnston was the composer for the majority of the WWF's theme music for really? many, for many, yeah. many years. And he's not in the WWF Hall of Fame yet, which is kind of a crime. He Why should not? be. I don't know. I don't know. I should know that too, but. Um, he will. He we got to get him in. So got to get him in. <laughs> there's you a, guys will listen to this. Call him. Tell him what's up. <laughs> there's Vince an McMahon. album on on uh, Spotify and all streaming apps, I assume, because I'm listening to it on Google Play. But it's like all original music from the WWE written by Jim Johnston. Yeah. Damn. He's incredible. He's it's like a 28-track album, too. Yeah, a if, lot of if, them if, sound pretty similar now that I think <laughs> about it. Like, but. There's some really interesting stuff. You can. Um, there's some... The YouTube videos of him explaining how he wrote songs to different oh characters. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff if Did you're a you, super nerd. Let's, um, uh, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it. Top three entry, entrance music. Uh, top three songs. For wrestlers? For you, yeah, for, for oh, wrestlers. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Who, All right, let's, let's not do... Stone Cold. Let's, okay. let's omit Stone Cold. That since, one's great. Since we just did that. Uh, number one for me, uh, probably Space Odyssey for Ric Flair. When you knew that oh, hit, yeah. you knew Nature Boy was about to come out and the show was about to get started. Um, oh, gosh. Let's see. For me, I would also have to do uh, 1997 Sting's entrance music because at that point, he had not been wrestling for like a year. He had just been hanging out in the rafters, and he had this really amazing, spooky... Looking like the crow. Looking like the crow. Yeah. He had this amazing, <laughs> spooky music that had this spoken word uh, monologue over about how he was the vigilante for WCW, and he was going to oh, take my- over the NWO's control and bring back power to the right hand of justice <laughs> <Pretty> incredible <laughs> um, and was it him that was saying that no 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 it was, it was a little kid oh it was a little kid creepy and it had like you know it was very creepy it was fantastic i recommend you all looking that up as well <laughs> uh and number three uh let's see here was it diamond dallas pages sort of it Rip smells like, smell like <laughs> <laughs> no it wouldn't be that i would say let me see i did two wcws let me do a wwf one maybe uh Maybe DX, like when DX came Break out. Break it down. Went, Hell yeah. Out. Jim Johnson wrote that too. Dude, it, that, like, he must, like, get so excited when he watches that and just hears, because the people are, I guess, they're, they're reacting to the wrestlers that the song represents, but at the same time, he's got to be stoked that, like, like, can you imagine if you started playing a song and an arena erupted like that? 
to anything that you've ever played ever. It would like yes, I can't imagine because I have this like reoccurring dream. <laughs> it's uh, really more of a nightmare though, but it happens like once a month where like yes, that's, that's the only one I can find out of the three. <laughs> and you just walk the robe, the robe. Hell yeah, Vic Flair, who's become an Atlanta icon. He really has. Yeah. He has always been an icon, fellas. <laughs> but this is not a wrestling podcast, so we need to move on. Yeah, from yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to fall way down that hole. <laughs> no, 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 we'll get. It. I do. do you, I do want. Do you still watch? I mean, are you still watching? Like Reli- big, religiously. Really? So I watched. So, um, like I said, I'll, I'll talk about this for just a second, and then we'll move on. No, go um, for it. I grew up in South Carolina, where wrestling, Southern wrestling, was huge. Not mm-hmm. so much the WWF, but. The National Wrestling Alliance and WCW, huge there. So my first match was probably like 91 at the Greenville Memorial Auditorium, which is a famous place for being Leonard Skinner's last performance. That's where they flew out of. And I saw so many amazing shows there all through high school and middle school and growing up. And um, so I watched all through high school or all through, a child, throughout, through my childhood. And then in high school was when like the NWO and the Attitude Era was big. Mm-hmm. And then when I got out of high school in 2000, so I'm 36 now, uh, that's pretty much when I got out of it. And I didn't watch for nearly 15 years. So from 2000, 2015, no wrestling knowledge, didn't watch it at all. But in 2014 or 15, Sting came to the WWE for the first time. Okay. And at that point I was like, I'm just going to tune in and see what the hell this old dude's going to do in the WWE. Cause he had never been there before. And, uh, they, Hook, line, and sinker oh, me in, man. Oh, you're back. I'm back in big time. I actually drove down to New Orleans last year by myself to go to WrestleMania. Nice. That's was, pretty cool. Was, I mean, I met some friends down there, and we stayed with them. But, like, um, it was a pretty amazing trip to go down to New Orleans and soak up all the music but also be surrounded by 80,000 other uh, wrestling nerds. <laughs> Wrestling's one of those things that, like, I, I watched wrestling maybe for, like, two years when I was in elementary school, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Never really got into it. How old are you? I'm 33. Okay. And, uh, but now that I'm like an adult, I kind of look at my friends who are like still into wrestling and I was like, yeah, I get it. It seems cool. Like, I wish I kind of was into it. Sure. Like, like well, I, I like the idea of it. I like the theatrics. I like the, the, you know, it's fun and it's cool. And whenever like I see a group of my friends are like, we're going to WrestleMania. I'm like, oh, that's fucking awesome. I, I wish I could you know, give a shit like in that way. Well, you got to invest the time. Yeah. Yeah. And as a, as an adult and you like kind of know everything that's going on, but it, it, it's, it's really impressive when you think about like what they're doing, like week after week. It's incredible. Yeah. NFL takes a break. NBA takes a break. Major league baseball takes a break. Wrestling is 365 days a year. Those athletes are out there traveling five days a week, performing. They're putting their bodies on the line. They're, crushing themselves sure it's scripted everybody knows that but like the level of like athleticism and theatrics and acting and dance and drama and art everything that's involved with the art of professional wrestling is incredibly deep and intense yeah and a lot of people don't get that and when you try to explain that to somebody who doesn't know wrestling about how amazing the whole thing is how much goes into it and how hard these people work 
you know, you can really sound really, really nerdy <laughs> trying to explain this to somebody. <laughs> Trust me, it's really important, ma'am. <laughs> it it kind of s- strikes me as being similar to like comic book culture. Again, not really knowing too much about wrestling. But it is. Like, like the way that the world's, like the storylines are always changing and like all these characters kind of come back and do new, new things and stuff. I'm Taking like, a break, coming back. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they haven't been out in six months. Where have they been? Right. <laughs> They've been at home resting their broken fucking elbow. <laughs> <laughs> they needed a break. Yeah. They had four concussions in a month. All right. This is a music podcast. I don't know. I feel like we've talked about wrestling enough to yeah. where we just taking is it talking about wrestling. Podcast? <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, you know, when, when, you're, when you're a good podcast host, you can steer the con- conversation <laughs> in a good way. Uh, I've never claimed to be that. Uh, so, yeah, we get off on tangents from time to time. But we have fun. Uh, but, Jeremy, uh, you're here to, to play some music. Uh, that you were into in high school, and uh, sure, let's get right to it. Um, you you said grew up in South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, what what kind of what kind of high schooler were you? If you had to kind of put yourself in, okay, you know, a box or, or or not even a box, but just what what were the things you were into? Okay, sure. I grew up in Simpsonville, South Carolina, which is like a kind of a suburb of Greenville, South Carolina. So just about two and a half hours northeast of Atlanta. And uh, I was in high school from like 96, 97 to 2000. So my high school was the Hillcrest High School Rams. And I was one of maybe 10 to 20 like punk rock kids in my high school. And we probably had, I don't know, maybe 3,000 kids. It was a very like future farmers of America type, you know, right (laughs) off of the Interstate 385. Very white school, you know. Um, a very typical Southern school, mm-hmm. you know, football was huge. Uh, basketball was huge. Uh, punk rock, not so huge, not <laughs> um, but that's kind of where I was at. I grew up in a r- really devout Christian family. Mm-hmm. So that was, I mean, that was a big thing for that whole area. You know, like church was huge everywhere around there. Bible belt. That's why they call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so that was me, you know, like grew up, I was a good kid, you know, I didn't, um, I mean, I was 100% rebellious, but I wasn't rebellious to the point where I was getting arrested or causing trouble. Or, sure. Or that high fucking, school fucking punk rock up. way where it yeah. was like... Yeah, I wasn't out smashing mailboxes and getting yeah. wasted, but I 100% knew that I was different. I 100% right. knew that I was going to you know, answer to me and no one else all the way through it. You know, So mm-hmm. that's why I was attracted to you know, punk rock music and punk rock culture. And you know, I grew up having like maybe like five or six close friends that, you know, all of which I still keep in contact with the day. And that's where I, you know, started my first bands and started going to all my first shows. And, uh, the main places I saw music back then was really two main places. So we went to this place called the powerhouse a lot. That was good the name. Incredible name, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which it was a uh, side room or a side building built off of uh, Taylor's first Baptist church. It was like a whole building that the youth group had taken over and built into like a rock and roll punk rock club. Okay. And that was a huge, it's, it was a huge place. It was probably like a hundred max capacity, but Tons of amazing Christian Wait, punk but, rock bands. Oh, yeah. So that. it was like owned and ran by the church. Yeah. Yeah. The youth pastor, whoever the guy was. You right. Know. But I saw, I mean, that venue changed everything for me. Yeah. I mean, like who I am today is not directly 
associated with that room, but I mean, that was the first time I got to see like punk rock shows. That was the first time I got my lip busted open in a mosh pit. That was the first time my high school band got to play a show in front of a packed room rather than like a room in front of like 15 of your friends. What's the name of your high school band real quick? Okay, so <laughs> I actually have my high school band CD in the old, oh, the old CD book over there. We're going to look at it. So there was, there was two. There was uh, a band called Special Reason, which was all of my close friends. They started the band in probably like sophomore year, early junior year. Okay. And it was just like a three-piece, four-piece punk rock band, pop punk music, you know. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, no Effects, Rancid, right. MXPX, that, that kind of simple melodic pop punk music. Yeah. And uh, – I was hanging out with all those guys, you know, and I didn't know how to play anything yet, but you know, I knew that I could get on stage and spike my hair up and wear a stupid bondage belt and yell into the microphone <laughs> and have a good time. And uh, so I was hanging out with those guys and that made me that, that they were their own band though, but I was always with them. We, they always called me their manager, but I didn't do shit for them ever. <laughs> I, I think I drove them to some shows, you know, because in South Carolina, you could get your license at 15 years old What at the time. Yeah. I got my restricted, Crazy. I got my, my, License at 15 on my birthday, my permit, and then by 15 and a half, I was driving legally by myself, which is terrifying to look back on. Yeah. Imagine being a grown-ass man or a grown-ass woman and looking over and seeing a 15-year-old driving behind the wheel. That would terrify me. can't you. imagine. Even you don't when see I see that like in Atlanta. <laughs> a 16- or 17-year-old, I'm like, how old are yeah. you? Is that allowed? <laughs> but then the, the other venue, so the other venue I saw a lot of bands growing up in high school was a, a venue called Ground Zero, which was a good name terrifying (laughs) nasty dirty dive bar in spartanburg south carolina about 30 miles north of where i lived and it was terrifying like terrifying redneck bar or terrifying redneck bar metal bar racist skinhead bars i remember one time like it was probably like green room (laughs) yeah like 2000 (laughs) like 2001 so this is like a year after i graduated high school like me and some of the guys from Special Reason were in a new band at this point. We were playing there one night, and we played with all these like skinhead bands, and like people were getting rowdy. I remember looking over in the pit one time and like seeing this like skinhead dude just like peeing in a Budweiser bottle. What the fuck? I was like, that dude, I can see that. I can see his stuff right there. <laughs> I'm gonna go stand on the other side of the room. And then those dudes tried to like attack us at the end of the show and were like banging on my '89 Blazer. And I remember our guitar player Jason like, I thought you said we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we just had to like take off and we realized Kyle our drummer wasn't in the car yet oh, no. and he comes running out and we're already taking off and we're like shit slow down Kyle's not in the car yet and we go over the other side of the parking lot Kyle's running and like jumps in the car and we had to leave <laughs> yeah so there was a big dichotomy of like uh I don't know if that's the right word or not, but it sounds like it, and I'm going to go with it. Of we'll like go with the it. powerhouse versus Ground Zero, <laughs> you know, I could go to the powerhouse and see these like amazing punk bands yeah. that you know had some kind of affiliation with the Lord, right. um, or I could go to Ground Zero and you know, like my first my first two punk shows, which I consider my first shows. Like mm-hmm. my first ever show was BB uh, King. And huh. my dad took me to that at like five years old. That was at the uh, yeah. Spartan Memorial, Memorial Auditorium. Punk rock legend. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Bobby Blue Bland opened up and we were sitting on the very last row and I would have been like five. So my sister had been like two. And there was these people sitting in front of us yelling at Bobby Blue Bland like, get this fucking asshole off the stage. We came to see BB King. What? Maybe my earliest memory. I don't know. But, <laughs> and so that was the first show I ever went to. And then uh, the... I remember in probably seventh or eighth grade, uh, one of the coolest shows I've ever seen. 
I asked my dad to take me to the Greenville Memorial Tourium, which I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. where I saw my first wrestling match. I saw Bush and the Goo Goo Dolls and No Doubt. And Damn. That, was, that was my first arena rock show. That's awesome. That but awesome. the first punk shows were at the, the Powerhouse. First punk show there was MXPX and Value Pack and 90 Pound was. And I was hooked. <laughs> you know, that was that was eighth grade or ninth grade. And then the first punk show at Ground Zero would have been probably ninety seven because I remember driving there in my car. Mm-hmm. I remember driving to the show. It was the Bouncing Souls, Dropkick Murphys, and the Dwarves. And it was the first punk arama tour. Oh yeah. Ooh. And the band that played first was a band called Vision, which was like this like SoCal street punk band. And I don't know anything about them other than they played first. I don't remember what they sounded like at all, other than they were <laughs> so a SoCal cow. street punk band. But what I do remember is driving me and all my friends to the show at like 15 years old to this crazy dive bar that let 15-year-olds in. Now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, yeah, looking great. back. Um, but we got out to the show. We got out to my car after the show, and I had all these stickers all over my car. Mm-hmm. Very OCD placed perfectly. <laughs> you know, very punk, not punk, but punk stickers, you know. Right. And I got out there, and the band Vision, I guess I didn't like my stickers, but there was like 30 Vision stickers just all oh, over my car. What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck is what I said? And my friends were dying laughing because they already knew me. They're like, oh, he's, this, is, he's this, got- is, this is bothering the <laughs> shit out of him. And I made us all stand there and take them all off without pulling the other stickers that they were covering up off. <laughs> and so did, that's did a, a lot of bands like I guess that was a kind of even early on for, for those guys but did a lot of those bands kind of come through like that level of you know punk rock at that time groups like you know Jack yeah. Murphy's no, uh, no effects and stuff like that were they coming through where you were living or I wouldn't say that a lot of bands were coming through that area a lot of bands would hit Charlotte or Columbia yeah. more often, like on their like B tours, you know? Sure. Um, Cause I went to a lot of shows in Charlotte and Columbia growing up in high school too. And me and my friends would get in sure. the car and go down to uncle doctors to the new Brooklyn tavern in Columbia all the time for punk shows. Or we would go up to Charlotte to go to the Tremont music hall for punk shows. But we got some pretty cool shows at ground zero. Um, but also, I mean like the, the powerhouse, they had all of the cool, like Christian punk rock bands. Like, sure. They all played there. And, it sounds funny to even use the term Christian punk rock, but like looking back at it, it wasn't like I was going to church. It wasn't like they were doing oh, altar it, calls. Yeah. Like they, this was just like a safe space to do punk it, rock. That shows. was a real scene too. I mean, it was hundred percent. That, that was like, that, that scene changed my life. I mean, I remember, and I, you know who I got to give all the credit for that too. God, <laughs> Jesus, my dad, <laughs> my dad, uh, oh, no, the other guy, the other guy's not so much, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but my dad, I mean, my dad at the time, like, in 95, 96, when I'm like, um, two of those, please, Jay. Gotcha. Y'all don't know what we're talking about, but yeah. I'm going to say it's a silver bullet. <laughs> You'll never know. It's 16 know. ounces. <laughs> Let's see if the mountains are still cool here. Just don't call me one of those. <laughs> yeah, why just don't call me one of those Steve Wisers there, pal. Um, uh, was it was it Coors Light that Stone Cold Steve Austin always had? Or was it just whatever? It was like, kind of whatever, I yeah. think. Yeah. He'd get them from the the crowd. I, I think there was somebody that specifically threw them to yeah. him. Yeah, it was, it was another WWE employee that yeah. threw them to the beer. <laughs> just the like crowd threw, he would get like 50 guy. of them all chucked oh, out of there random times. Um, no, but it was my dad that kind of got me into all that stuff because like 95, 96, you know, maybe, well, earlier than that, honestly. I mean, probably like... 
shit, probably like 92 or 93 when I was like 10 or 11 years old, my dad started really seeing that like, okay, Jeremy's not going to want to listen to DC Talk and Carmen and the audio adrenaline, right. that kind of Christian music forever. He's getting into Nirvana and Bush and Green Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am going to try to persuade him to listen to some music that's like that right but so on it, the christian scene so my dad is the one that found out about the powerhouse was he a uh very religious person yeah my parents are both still alive and they're both are very sorry very, i said very, i used no. past tense like a <laughs> next, next year is their 50th uh wedding anniversary which wow is, which is pretty amazing we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna go on an alaskan cruise i think cool um, your dad is a musician i played with him at your wedding that is so true <laughs> and he tore the effing house he down. was amazing he was incredible he gets on stage he's like guys what i want you to do is forget about pony league <laughs> and i want you to forget about the carolina highway and i want you to forget about everything you heard tonight because now you're listening to the house band and y'all are in the house <laughs> <laughs> it was great dude his dad like owned the room 100 percent. and then like we played like i think we played like three songs and then he got off stage and then we couldn't follow it we Just, really could not <laughs> it was really hard yeah the, it, he really he, yeah, he destroyed he destroyed i mean i remember the sound check that afternoon sound check shit it was my wedding day jesus christ sound check <laughs> we sound checked we did actually and <laughs> we were very on time did you did you play at your wedding I did. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was. It was my wedding day was uh, the most best, beautiful day of my life. It was incredible. Nice. We the whole day was uh, surrounded by music. Gus Fernandez played piano as cool. me and my wife walked down the aisle. Uh, our friend Steve and Katie played our first dances during dinner. We had a songwriter hour where I had arranged like fifteen of my friends who were that's all awesome. songwriters Just, to play one or two songs that's each so cool. while everyone was eating, and then. Our friends, Sinners and Saints from Charlotte, North Carolina, they played a few songs. And when they played a few songs, um, I got up and played with them. And my wife surprised me with an upright bass Ah, during that performance in front of everybody. And I cried and cried and cried like a waterfall in front of everybody, (laughs) uh, which felt amazing. Uh, (laughs) Truly, because I'm not a crier, you know, like not because I don't cry, dude. He's stone cold, dude. Don't cry. You know, because I just don't don't really cry, but I let it all out. Like it was just. That's truly, awesome. truly real and uh then the pony league guys got up and they did a bunch of their songs and some songs i asked them to play and then i got up with them and you know we have our own band called the carolina highway we did a couple of my originals that i had written for my wife and then my dad got up and then we did it. a few more it was a it was a long day yeah, yeah. it was a long day <laughs> that's really cool though. it was it was amazing man. Yeah. It, tr- it truly was the best day of my life it was uh it, <clears throat> there was a, like it was in a barn there's this really cool, like, opened-up barn, and it was very cold, and the first song that we played was uh, Do You Want to Dance by the Ramones, and I remember being so cold that I, like, couldn't feel my arm, and I, like, I was playing, I was like, I... I think I'm going to ruin Jeremy's wedding because I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to do. We're supposed to do like 15 more songs and like I can't feel my arms. But like by the end of the song, I like blood was was pumping. Was pumping. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, if, if it would have been uh, warm that day, it would have uh, we would have all spontaneously combusted <laughs> from, from perfection. <laughs> Why don't um, 
You, you mentioned MXPX, and we, we talked right, a little bit about them. let's play an MXPX song. I would love to listen to some MXPX, because I also was a, a fan of theirs in my high school days. Okay, so this would have been 8th grade, ninth grade, 95, 96 era, um, maybe early 97, I'm not sure, but I would have been 14, 13, 15 years old, and uh, I remember being at a friend's party, and it was like a girl's party that I liked. And uh, I had to leave because I was like, there's a band playing that I want to go see. And it was this band, uh, the MXPX. There's a song of theirs called Teenage Politics. Jay, you listen to MXPX a lot? I did. I, I Similar to Jeremy, like growing up, like religious. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like... The, Wait, these guys were Christian? They started off, I think they go, here's the thing about like like Christian punk rock bands yeah. or like really like any Christian bands that like got any kind of success in the mainstream was like their their lyrics were like ambiguously Christian like they they yeah, were I never knew like, any of them were Christian until later on yeah. by the way I was always just like this I was always kind of surprised yeah yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's a few that you're just like really them but yeah like they uh, but they were great like they they also, um, like, the, the bands that you liked uh, that were, that were you know, if they were just straight up like, we're a Christian band, chances are they weren't great musically. Right. But they, they like, sold a bunch of music because the, like, Christian community embraced them and bought all their shit. Whereas, like, uh, the, the bands that had more, like, crossover appeal, it's because they were actually, like, really talented and really good at what they did. And sure, and some of that stuff can transcend sound, too, because like I said, my first show, uh, punk show, was MXPX, 90 Pound Wuss, and Dieback, and this was, this was 90 Pound, this is 90 Pound Wuss, which, who I, who I still love. I mean, you, you listen to this, it doesn't sound like Christian music. It's right. Typical. It sounds like punk. I mean, so does MXPX, it sounds like. But listen to the Jeff Suffering. He sounds like he's suffering when he's singing. His name's Jeff Suffering? Jeff Suffering was his name. I remember the name of this band and not really the music at all. I'm sure they were on some compilation or something. It'd be an escape video, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so that was 90 Pound Wuss, and this is Value Pack. This is the the other band from my first show. This was right up my alley. I've never heard of that, but this is like... (laughs) You you can 100% tell that they're trying to do the uh, Christian version of Rancid right here. Yeah. We, I think I talked about it uh, maybe on the first episode, but uh, I remember going to like a Christian camp one year, and it was like the year that uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket had come out, <laughs> and also um, chocolate starfish and hot dog and flavored hot water. Dog flavored water. And there was this guy there that his job. Like, in hindsight, I think he was hired by, like, the Christian record labels to, like, go around. Because basically what he did, he was like, he was like, how many people here, like, Blink-182? And, like, everyone was like, woo! But they also knew, like, but we're not supposed to because they curse. Uh, And he was like, Blink-182 in Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, they say the F word 74 times. Oh, my God. They say the A word 
56 times. And he like broke down all these statistics of profanity. It's like, and, if we're not supposed to be listening to this, how many times did you have to listen to right? it? Right? <laughs> realize they played it 74 times. And so he would basically be like, if you like Blink-182, you're going to love you'll like this Christian alternative to Blink-182, yeah, which kind weren't of as good. But yeah. Was, I mean, it's like a really cute stance to have. Yeah. Just like, hey, we made you something that's a little bit cleaner, yeah. but you guys will enjoy this too. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was saying that my dad was doing for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a huge thing that happened in the Christian punk rock market. And so some of the bands and some of those artists suffered from that, I think. But there's a lot of bands that were in the Christian market so that were their own thing and they were great, but they were billed as like, oh, if you like the Ramones, you're going to love the Huntingtons. Right. If you like Blink-22, you're going to love MXPX. If you like Real Big Fish, you're going to love the Supertones. Mm-hmm. So if you like Pantera, you're going to love... I think you're kind of fucked if you liked Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I've kind of fell short on that one. But the, the Christian market definitely did that, and they sold millions so of much. dollars were, were worth you, of records in the 90s because of that. And it might still happen today, but I'm a grown man. I don't know. Did, did that... Did the religious scene just sort of inform your your punk rock though or were you listening to were you listening to those bands and then your dad kind of was like hey listen to this instead it's a little bit well, it's like, the same, but it's a little bit better. Well, like I was like I was saying, my dad knew that I was getting it. I mean, yeah, but you said like Bush and No Doubt. Were you were you listening to like even like Dead Kennedys, No Effects, Rancid, even one hundred percent? Yeah, I mean, so you I were got, already I mean, there's my Rancid tattoo right yeah. here. You know what I mean? There's my Bouncing Souls tattoo. <laughs> but you, you know? were already into that stuff, and then you yeah. Got so into like the get it, getting Christian in, scene. like it started like you know me starting down that path of liking different weirder music started with like the early nineties with like the alternative scene and the sure. scene. That's where it started. Yeah. Then it developed into the punk scene. And then that's when at that point my dad was like, all right, well I got to find him some, something to mm-hmm. listen to. And I'm internally grateful for that because it was so cool going to all those shows. Yeah. Going, getting, going my dad shows went with us. Deal. My dad yeah. went with us. He took us to the shows. He, then when we started our own bands, he bought us a fucking trailer Wow. So that our bands yeah. could play it. Like the amp that Charlie played at our wedding was my dad's that I still That's play so in our cool. band. You know, so I mean, my dad, like, even though he's trying to, like, persuade me to this thing, he's not trying to say, you can't listen to Green Day. Right. Yeah. He's just saying, well, check out this other stuff, man. This is pretty cool, too. And some of it is incredible. Like, I mean, I still love a lot of that music. Yeah, you were saying you still listen to 90 Pound Wuss. Yeah, I still, uh, I still love that stuff. Y- you think it, it holds up? You think it, it's- I think some of it holds up, and I think some of it doesn't. You know, there's, there's I love some that of those- punk rock scream, by the way. That like, you know, we talked a little bit about like hardcore and stuff, and how I just can't get behind the scream. But then, like, I hear that punk rock scream, and I'm just like, oh, I love this. Like, yeah. I love that. Like you kind of said, it was very emotional or very like Suffering. singing. Yeah, singing his heart out kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he yeah. had something to say, and he said it. You mm-hmm. know? Well, there was, I mean, I just, I mean, I made this playlist today called my high school iPod. Hey, that's the, the name sp- of this podcast. <laughs> on the oh, Spotify. yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like scrolling through it on the phone right now. And I'm looking at all these songs that I still love so much. Yeah. You know, we can go through some songs from my other punk show. I was telling you, I went. Let's do it. All right. So this was the, the Bouncing Souls, the Dropkick Murphys and the Dwarves. And uh, I just went and saw the Bouncing Souls. What, last week? This time last week? Right. A week ago tonight, I guess. Really? On their 30th anniversary tour. They were my first show, and they were my last show. That's dope. So you're never going to a show again? Never going to. I'm done. <laughs> retired. <laughs> On his hutch. Got some time. 
I feel like I kind of missed out, maybe because of the like when I was listening to like Reliant K or MXPX or some of these Christian bands. I kind of missed the like Bouncing Souls or like No FX or like some of those yeah. kind of like standard punk rock bands, and then like I I jumped into more like pop punk. Like, sure. like, like well, speaking of pop punk, here's one. Of, here's a band that me and my friends in high school absolutely adored, and our first band, uh, special reason, really sounded a lot like this. This is a Hey Suburbia by Screeching Weasel. We just talked like, about Screeching Weasel. Yeah, yeah, Mason played some Screeching Weasel. Of course he did. <laughs> four days ago. <laughs> like I love how simple that is, but it's so catchy. Yeah. I, I miss that though. I miss that like simple, fast, hard punk sound. And Just, like, there's, I mean, there's something to be said about music like that. Like, especially like a lot of people. I think that don't listen to punk music or heavy music think that it's just absurd. But there's incredible things to be said in that music. Like the first line of that song, Hey Suburbia, try to tell us our future's at stake, but we're gonna slam dance on your grave because we don't give a shit about tomorrow. Like, imagine what that dude was going through <laughs> to to write that and yeah. say it so poetically over four simple chords and an awesome solo. Yeah. You know, right. and it sounds so shitty, and they probably recorded it for 15 bucks. Right. But here it is 35 years later, and we're drinking Coors Light and talking about it. Yeah. And you know, that's the power of music, and I love that. Like, like he said in that song, and which I think is why music is truly the only universal language. It's the only thing that we can all relate to throughout time and throughout cultures and throughout geography. Like he says, uh, we don't give a shit about tomorrow. And when I'm 16 and I'm hearing that for the first time, I'm like, fuck yeah, man, you're right. I don't give a shit about tomorrow. I'm an yeah. outcast here in my high school. Everybody thinks I'm weird because I got studs on my jacket and I've drawn a bunch of logos with paint pens on my my shirt and I don't play football and I don't subscribe to, you know, the, whatever you're listening to, or I don't look the way you look. So of course it makes you feel different. And that time when he says, I don't give a shit about tomorrow, I think oh, you're right. I don't give a shit about tomorrow either, but like listening to it 30 years later or 20 years later, what it is. Right. Um, it has a whole new language. I don't give a shit about tomorrow. Well, you're right. I don't give a shit about tomorrow, but I understand how important that is. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, just about taking nothing for granted, and, and, I guess. And why that's like, I mean, that's so much of listening back to the music I used to listen to anyway. It's, it's, it's so much about tapping into that mindset that I had when I was younger and, and adapting it for an adult person. You know what I mean? It's like, and I love adult music, but it is so about like, you know, big things or, mm -hmm. or em emotional things Yeah, that when you can kind of tap back into that, like, you know, just sort of like, fuck off, have a good time kind of music. It feels good. Yeah. Speaking of some adult music, here's something I really liked in high school. It was uh, another thing my dad got me into, and this is completely different than what we've been talking about it. There's Perfidia by The Ventures, which I absolutely adored when I was in high school and still do. Oh, yeah. How close... Uh in is Simpsonville, South Carolina from the beach. It's about four hours. Okay. So you were you were inland. We were inland, but beach music was huge. I mean you were at my wedding, you heard it. We had beach music mm -hmm. all day long, yeah. 
Was this a modern band at the time? I, I've never heard of them. The Ventures? No, this is a 60s band. Okay. Yeah. Like, I guess they started in the 60s. Dick Dale, sort of. Yeah. Prior, before Dick Dale. Yeah. Oh my God, you guys want to hear something hilarious? I'm looking at my, my iPhone here, so I'm going to pause this. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, this is great. Um, two songs down from this is a song called Dust to Dust by the Misfits, which we've yeah. all heard. And uh, earlier <laughs> in the episode, uh, you asked me what my favorite uh, wrestling intro music uh-huh. was. <laughs> when we were in high school, Jesus Christ. Uh, when we were in high school, me and two guys that I went to church with, Chris and, and Chuck, Trunk. Um, <laughs> Shout outs. Shout out to Trunk. Hey, Trunk. <laughs> um, we had our own like backyard wrestling federation. Oh, amazing. It was incredible. <laughs> um, it we was also ser- had that. Yeah, well, we all had it. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. had it. I don't know. Uh, I, we took ours pretty seriously. Like I had like built belts for us out of like spare carpet from our church that I, I cut out into the shape of belts and spray painted gold and like made them look like real deal belts. Put Velcro on them, and we had these in crazy like hour long hardcore matches in my parents driveway and their front yard and into the pool and in the garage and we would we'd go to church on sundays or wednesdays and we'd come back and we'd make these videos and me and chris would just beat the ever loving <laughs> shit out of each other but we got so seriously into it that we had entrance music and my poor sister i'm like okay andrea don't be on camera but be over there and when you see me walking out the front door just press play on track four <laughs> And uh, this, <laughs> this was your song. This was this was one of them. Yeah. Later, Misfits with Michael Graves instead of Glenn Danzig. <laughs> this is good. That is. Yeah. What was your? Uh, did you have a? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I'm a good podcast host. <laughs> um, that's really funny. It was called The Genius. The genius. The genius. <laughs> so it was the genius Jeremy Ray or Jeremy the genius Ray? It was just the genius. Oh, just the genius, baby. Yeah. I, I was in complete character. There was no Jeremy Ray when I was out there in extreme hardcore wrestling sporting the championship belt. The genius. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. So there was. Did you, a, did you, you have like a gimmick or were you, was it just wrestling guy? <laughs> I honestly don't even remember. I don't. Rem- the gimmick was like kind of like a misfits-looking guy. Like I would yeah. wear like makeup and shit. Nice. I don't remember why I was called a genius, but um, my my finishing move I remember was called the Killer Crush, which was named after a melancholy song. Yeah, <laughs> which is basically just like a DDT through a trash can. I'm gonna play you my intro. So we had I had a really terrible the court. Yeah. The SD. I had a really like old shitty trampoline in my backyard that like when our neighbors across the street were moving away, they were like, do you guys want this trampoline? We were like, yeah. And like my backyard was big enough to fit a trampoline and that was it. Fantastic. Like it was one side of it was up against our house and the other side of it was against the fence. (laughs) And uh, so we, we had, we, we did like all the kids in the neighborhood would come over and we would do backyard wrestling also on the trampoline. And I was uh, Fireball. Yes. And my my theme song was this. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Fireball! Yeah. <laughs> um, Hailing from parts unknown. <laughs> but we would like... We would 
would like use the fence as like a turnbuckle, like we would Fantastic. get up on the top of the fence and jump off. I I don't know. None of us really ever got that hurt. Like we would, you know, get bruises, and we didn't have the like the blue padding on the outside. Like it was just the springs. Oh man! So every once in a while, you would like you your pinch. leg would fall through get one a of the pinch. springs. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we would do that for hours and hours and hours. So much fun. That's fantastic. Um, so you, 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 you know, you're like we were saying, you're an artist. Uh, I imagine you were you were also like painting and drawing and stuff in high school as well. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I. Uh, that's what I do now for a living. Is I make art and paintings and drawings and murals and you know I play in a band with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how I make my living as a as a human as as an artist. Do you? Uh, and, I, and and in high school, I was absolutely one hundred percent doing that. And my art teacher in high school, her name was Miss Ezram. She saw that. She saw how into it I was. And so I ended up going to Winthrop University, which is where well, upon her, you know, recommendation. Advice. Yeah, and um, she still follows me and that's awesome like reshares all of my murals and stuff to like her facebook page it's really sweet um she just retired this year shout out to mrs ezram but one thing mrs ezram yeah she i mean she kind of i mean she really i mean at the time like i didn't you know when you're in high school you're a fucking idiot no matter how smart you are you're a fucking idiot even if you're the genius even if you're the genius (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna start calling you that now (laughs) please do please do the the genius don't explain it to any of the rest of the guys though (laughs) Like, hey, genius, I'm like, what's up? What's up, FB? (laughs) Uh, No, she, so like in high school, she would see like, you know, I would come in. I mean, I remember my parents buying me this like leather jacket, like a nice leather jacket for Christmas. And much like I do now, having these really nice expensive paint pens. Back then I had nice paint pens in high school too. Not as nice as these. Um, But I would, I I mean, I I got my jacket for Christmas and by New Year's, I had drawn like (laughs) MXPX logos and Pennywise and Rancid and Operation Ivy and, you know, the subhumans and a big uh, Operation Ivy dancing guy on the back of my jacket. And so my teacher, Miss Esmond, saw that and she was like, you should go to art school for design. And that's what I did. And I ended up getting a degree in design and printmaking. But that's like how I really started tying music and art together which has really been the entire story of my life mm-hmm. like music and art that's 100 percent who i am and what i do i'm an artist who plays music i'm a musician who makes art yeah you know and that's it i'm really pretty shitty at everything else. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really good at wrestling knowledge and uh loving my wife and loving my dogs and other than that not so much else you know <laughs> that's all you need in life though uh but so that's how like that's how like that was the first thing i think i ever did that like made money with art was like all the bands from around that area would see like oh how, who made y'all cd grab muhammad grab that top seat that top cd booklet here this is what my eye jeremy put, brought two yeah two big booklets bricks. full of cds yeah. Yeah, so here, let's see if we can get this on. Case Logic, I remember. Yeah, so these were my, this was, this was my iPod in, in high school. <laughs> there wasn't an iPod yet in yeah. high school. But, like, this is my first band CD, and, like, this is, like, one of the first pieces of art I ever We'll post uh, this on our, on our Instagram. So, like, like, so there's, like, another one I did for another band around town, and I ended up doing that for That's m- awesome. many bands around town at that time, you know, and that was, like, how I got into tying music and art together is making, like, artwork for 
for bands for their little CDs and their demos. And now I've done that professionally for tons of vinyl records and uh, CDs all over the years, you know, and that's what I really, really love to do. There's also, there's a picture of you on the back. Oh, hey. And I've never seen you without a beard. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> Which I guess most people don't have full beards in high school. Yeah. So it makes sense. But yeah. Hell yeah. This is great. Yeah, that and that was our first this was uh my so my first band, this was the shut the reason for it all, which was our first EP from my band Shutter. And then we ended up doing two releases after that and those mm. were I was out of high school at that point. We we had another like year and a half run. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So Um did I you I wish that was on Spotify. I just have never taken the time to put it up. We I I've been talking about how like how easy it is to record something you do now mm -hmm. and like back then and you were a little bit older so like it was even harder but it was just like nobody just had fucking garage band on right. their laptop like right. you, you didn't exist yet. you couldn't yeah. just hang out in somebody's kitchen and make a podcast exactly. which, which which is good and bad yeah. because it's it's good because like we're able to sit here and do this and this is great it's amazing right? and it's so much fun but like back then and i'm trying to remember what it was called but there was one recording studio that was good mm -hmm. in the upstate of south carolina and that's where all the bands recorded and it was this guy named doug i remember his name was doug and he actually just passed away a couple of years ago rest in peace to doug um but he had a band called problem child <laughs> and he <laughs> he had built this amazing recording looking back at it i didn't know how cool that was but like we he would i think it was like 15 dollars an hour to go and record $30, $30 an hour to go and record with this guy, Doug. And he had built his entire basement out and it was an incredible studio. Like I listened back to our first recordings. I'm like, no, nothing I've recorded since then. Sounds like, <laughs> you know, $30 an hour, $30 an hour. such a deal. But, yeah. But we never like demos would be like, I don't even remember how we made demos back then. Or if we did it all like on a boom box, we'd have like a boom box that had a recording mm -hmm. feature and we'd just set up a mic in the middle of the room and press record on the tape. And that's how we would make our demos. But when we finally found crystal rain, that's what it was called. Crystal, crystal rain. rain studio. And we'd go there and Doug had a long ass mullet dude. And these, this big old handlebar mustache. It was all, blonde his mustache was blonde this is exactly how i pictured Doug yeah that's what i thought when yeah. he said <laughs> he wore sh like tiny little short shorts with no shoes and uh hockey jerseys still perfect <laughs> exactly what i imagined it was incredible man it was seriously some of like the most amazing experiences of recording music ever we to this day <laughs> my my band in high school uh one of our guitar players what was it called my friend wendell nice and then we got a little more serious when we were all seniors in high school, and we changed the name to The Monologue. Mm. Um, Very serious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, uh, one of our guitar players, uh, his guitar teacher had sort of a little makeshift studio in his house, and he, did, he charged us way more than $30 an hour. I don't remember what it was, but it was like a number... That we were all just like, well, we don't all have that money. <laughs> so we actually, we were a four-piece band, and one of our buddies played keyboards, kind of. And we were like, hey, do you want to be in the band? And he was like, yeah. And we were like, okay, now we can split it five ways <laughs> instead of four. <laughs> <laughs> like, Amazing. It That's was, smart. Yeah, because we were like... You tell Doug, like, just don't 
turn the keyboard stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> he actually would. Their guy's also named Doug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a guitar player, but he like had a synthesizer and we were into like the get up kids and bands yeah. that would have synth- synth- synthesizers. There we go. Um, and so he would actually use like different colored stickers and put them on the keys for like each song. He was like, okay, this song is the blue keys. So he would know those were the ones Amazing. that he was supposed to, to play. And he was just, you know, doing real like simple stuff. But if you looked at his keyboard, it would just be a bunch of like blue dots and red dots. And like, <laughs> it was great. Speaking of the, uh, the get up kids, like uh, how I was talking earlier about how like the two main places I saw music growing up was the powerhouse and then the ground zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember after seeing MXPX and like a couple years later, I saw MXPX again. And instead of this time, they, they weren't at the powerhouse this time they were at ground zero. Yeah. And so like they were a Christian band, but they had like transformed. Right. We're not playing Christian clubs anymore. We're going to play regular clubs. We're going to play dive bars. Yeah. We're going to play dive bars <laughs> and the get up kids opened up for them. And I remember while what a good show that is a, an amazing yeah. ticket. And I remember, um, my career on stage at that show saying like you guys give it up for the get up kids this is their first tour with us and they need a place to stay tonight if anybody's got a place oh to my stay for the God. get up kids it's amazing i remember being like dad can, can the get up kids stay <laughs> stay with us tonight <laughs> dad's like it's a school night son oh man you almost had them stay at your house yeah we should look the get the new get up kids song is pretty good. It is yeah. good. Yeah, it's pretty good. They're coming in uh, June or July. Me and Justin are going. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a special episode yeah. too of uh, reviewing the album. Yeah, you want to come? Kind of tease it. Now. Yeah. So my uh, my best friend um, from do you remember Scott that got up and played the rancid cover with us at the wedding? Yeah. So that was the Scott played bass and sang in special reason. And he, that's why he was at the wedding. He's one of my oldest friends. He's coming down for the Get Up Kids show, and we're gonna awesome. We're gonna hang out, so we'll come over. They're playing at the Earl. They're playing, playing at the, the Earl. fucking Earl. The fucking Earl. <laughs> Which means they're not getting any bigger. I know. No. <laughs> but it's okay. I, but hey, I love the Earl. The Earl's my all-time it's favorite. It's amazing, venue. It's right? My yeah. Favorite yeah. Um, do you wanna you wanna take a break real quick? Let's take a break. Okay, cool. We'll be what, right. What do we do with a break? Do we do we play Stone Cold's music again? And yeah, say, we'll, we'll be right. We'll be right back. Yeah. At, hold on, I got a, I got a song. We'll be right back after these messages. Thanks for doing my job. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hold on, here we go. This is um, I remember listening to this song and uh, the car going to uh, to church camp all the way down to the beach from Simpsonville. Hell yeah! All right, we'll go to break we'll be, on this song. We'll, we'll be, right be right back after these messages from the specials. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jay and Muhammad. Yes, the same Jay and Muhammad you have been listening to this entire episode. Believe it or not. <laughs> um, we're we're, uh, we're going to try something new here uh, where we're going to start doing some, um, some promo, some ad spots. Uh, and we want you guys uh, to submit uh, if you have uh, an album coming out or a show coming up or a business to promote. Uh, anything uh, creative that you are doing that you want people uh, to know about, uh, we want you to um, uh, promote on this podcast for it. Jay, how can people reach us if they if they need to uh, contact us about an advertisement opportunity? That's a great question. We have an email address because we are a legitimate podcast <laughs> with an email address. Uh, you can you can send us uh, your info uh, at myhighschoolipod at gmail dot com. 
Um, and basically, uh, I guess if you want to record your own spot, uh, feel free. You can do that. Uh, or if you want us to read copy of some type. Yeah, we're uh, charming and funny and have nice voices. Exactly. We, we just want to uh, promote and, and, and support the people who uh, are supporting us. Uh, and that's you guys. And we thank you for doing that. If you have something you want to promote, uh, something you want people who listen to this podcast to know about, um, send us an email. Let us know what you got going on. Uh, and whatever information you feel is pertinent, uh, and we'll get back to you. And you can have your ads right here on the world's most mediocre podcast, <laughs> my high school iPod. <laughs> Let's get back to the show. All right, and we're back. It's my high school iPod. It's your high school iPod, too. I'm the host, Jay Howell, <laughs> with my co-host slash producer, Muhammad Joma. Hey! Hey! Part and our guest uh, is the wonderful Jeremy Ray. I'm here. Jeremy, I, I was looking you up on... So oh, I'm turning it back up for some reason. I was looking you up on social medias and stuff because we, we've never met before this recording. Until now. Until now. So uh, I saw that you painted uh, a mural at, at DDP Diamond Dallas Page's yoga studio. Oh Here God, in man, that was that was a dream come true. Let me tell you, like the painting itself actually was in the Crog Street Tunnel, but the artwork that I was commissioned to make by him and his crew was to be used for the cover of his new documentary. It's supposed to come out sometime right. this year called Relentless, uh, which is about his rise as a yoga guru and right. you know basically a health instructor. But like you can imagine, like an artist getting a call from the people that work for one of your all-time um, yeah, favorite right? wrestlers. You're, you're a, you're so, just like, like that. so here's how, here's how that happened. And I'll tell this, I'll try to not be too long winded with this, but there's a guy, um, in Greenville, um, that loves my art and music. He saw me play at a festival up in Greenville. Um, shout out Jay. And, um, what's up? Different Jay. Not, <laughs> Damn. Uh, <laughs> um, and he, is friends with the guy that was behind making the DDP documentary. And this guy posted a thing saying like, we need somebody to paint a badass mural for DDP. And this guy that, you know, um, had seen me play and knew my artwork was like, Jeremy Razor guy. He lives in Atlanta. Call him. So they called me. I was the first person they called and they told me about what they wanted to do. And, uh, I said, yeah, I'm in, I'm into that. I can do that. Yes, I can do that. I love that idea. And we hit it off on the, on the initial call, me and my buddy, Nathan, who I was, uh, now, who's now my friend. And, um, I was like, after he had talked to me for a while, it's like, listen, I know you don't know this about me because all you know is my artwork, but, yeah. um, and which is why you called me, uh, <laughs> But I, this is the perfect job. I was like, I am the guy for this job. Like I'm literally, I was sitting at my desk, which had a diamond Dallas page action figure sitting on it. Like legitimately not, not making some shit up for a story. Like, you know, I've been known to do, um, (laughs) you know, like that legitimately was true. Like I had a DDP action figure sitting on my desk and I told him that he's like, you being like for real. And I was like, no, I'm a gigantic wrestling fan of the nineties. And he's like, well, this is going to be amazing. And then 
I painted this thing, and then DDP comes out and gets his photograph taken in front yeah, of the yeah, mural that I painted. Yeah, you got to It was the coolest, like, the coolest day of my life. I was like, just be cool, man. Just be cool. <laughs> just be cool. Like, don't stutter when you tell him your name. Shake his hand strong. Like, like don't tell him that you loved this match at 97 Starcade against <laughs> Ray <Hunt. Yeah. laughs> like, like, Just be cool, man. And it was it was amazing. And then I like, don't. I, it, it, he has so he has a yoga studio here in Atlanta. I, I had a buddy that totally, worked. Yeah, like reinvented himself. As yeah, a yoga it's insane. But yeah. is he, was he originally from Atlanta? Is that yeah? He's a, well, yeah. he's originally from Florida, uh-huh. and um, spent a lot of time in Florida. But you know, WCW was based in Atlanta. Yeah. So most. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, most. So of, many wrestlers really? lived, lived here. Lived or, outside of right. the, outside of the perimeter, and that's and DDP Studios up in Marietta. And, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just so cool. I mean, like it's like I said, music, universal language, art, the universal language. And if you stick with what you love and you stick with what you're good at and, and you're sincere about it and you're true about it and you work your ass off, like I don't want to sound cheesy or nothing, but like I never had a dream to meet DDP and hang out with him. But like it's a dream come true. Like yeah. I got paid so cool. to paint. Yeah. <laughs> And then DDP showed up at the end of it, and he put me in a flipping headlock. Yeah, and I got a picture of him with me, like I'm getting diamond cut. And then I, t- <laughs> I, I, t- I took the uh, DDP action figure and he signed it for me, which was on which I was at the wedding. And DDP texted me on my wedding day. It was like, you know, hey dude, congratulations! So you getting oh married, man? God. Congratulations! You know, so it's like it's the coolest shit in the world, man. That's like, amazing. Cool shit happens if you stick with what you love, I guess. I work in freelance video production, and you know. Anytime I get contacted for any job, it's amazing. Um, but then every now and Agreed. then you, you get to work with somebody <laughs> yeah. that you admire or something. I did like a stupid press junket thing, but I got to meet Bo Burnham and I was just like cool. such a huge fan of his and, you know, just the comedy he's doing now. And like, it was really like fanboying out while trying to like keep it together. Cause yeah, you're on a job. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really, I really disliked a lot of his early stuff, but that last special he did. His last special was so um, fucking amazing. It was man. truly, truly amazing. And yeah. the song he did about country music, like yeah. gets in my Oh, head that's all me the pandering. time. Oh my god! Yeah. I can sing in Mandarin. I, what I what I love about him uh, and a lot of there's a few state. I mean, I I put weirdly I put John Mulaney in the same boat, even though they're they're very different comedic styles. But mm-hmm. there, there's like a premium sort of happening now in a lot of stand up on on the show again. And I think Bo Burnham is just like the prime example of that, where it's it's like no longer just like oh we're just gonna talk about me and this is how i am and this is the world right. i mean that was great and it was it had its moment but i'm kind of over it and i like the idea of like comedians really committing to the act now like yeah. here is the act i have worked it out we're gonna do it beat by beat you know i i, I just I, I love that well he, i have a uh, go ahead Jay. well i was gonna say he he's like a a, a different thing in in music because it's a music podcast here I yeah. am yeah. bringing it home. That's right. But he, you know, there, there's, there's the comedian that like plays an acoustic guitar, like Dimitri Martin, who's great. Yeah. But he'll just like play an acoustic guitar and then like say jokes over that. Sure. Whereas Bo Burnham is like a next level. Like I'm gonna write a parody song of bad country music, right. and I'm going to make like sort of shine a light on he how he dissects yeah, the parts it's of like it's so many layers to what 
what he does. And he does the Kanye thing at the end too, in a similar yeah. way where he's like dissecting the the sort of it's thing so that is good. happening while sort of participating in the thing that's happening. Like right. he's making a country song while dissecting a country song. And if you just if you just played that on like the country music radio station, like if people weren't really paying attention, which they're yeah, not, they, yeah, which they're not, <laughs> they'd be like, "This is a good song. I like this." Yeah. <laughs> Y'all dumb motherfuckers want a key change. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, love that, I love that we got to talk about stand-up comedy there for a second because I think uh, stand-up comedy is one of the greatest forms of art just like wrestling and music and mm-hmm. yeah I think all musicians wish they were comedians and I think all comedians wish <laughs> they were rock stars you yes. know I, I have a huge place in my heart for stand-up comedy I I think it's one of the most difficult things you can do as a creative to get up there, and that's why I like. That's why I like. I went from being in like a punk band to a rock and roll band to a country band to a hardcore band back to a rock and roll band, and then just being a solo artist. You know, because I want to see what it feels like to strip everything away sure. and still get up there and try to perform in front of somebody. Like, get up there with just your guitar, and then to even take that away, get up there with just your voice, and see if you can entertain people and keep them interested in what you're what you have to say. It's incredible. Well, it's super easy to do stand up. It's super hard to be good at it. But Shit, you could yeah. just sign up for an open mic and then go do stand up. Yeah. I'm going to I'm yeah, going to give get fruit thrown at your face. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to give you compliments right now. <clears throat> I'll take them. Jeremy Ray. Let me open my shirt uh, up a little bit. So <laughs> So there there is something as as somebody who uh plays music on stage in front of people like I do and uh tries to make people laugh all the time like I do. There is something when you're like in between songs where you're like we should be talking in between. There should be some kind of banter and I want it to be funny. And so many times I'll say something and it misses and people don't laugh because people aren't really there. But I have played shows with you where you will in between a song, you will say something that gets the whole room laughing. (laughs) And then like two songs later, you will like, you'll say something really like sincere about a song and the room is quiet like everyone's listening to like every word and it's really impressive like Thanks, most Jay. people like w- like w- places where we play like the Earl most of the time in between songs people are just talking yeah. like they don't really care but how was your week what kind of drink you drinking yeah <laughs> or like did you see so and so they're here mm-hmm. like but you you definitely you have this like presence when you're on stage that people want to hear your songs and then even when the song isn't happening they can tell that like you're you're still going to deliver uh, something that they're they want to hear, and it's really cool. And I love that. Not Thank many you, people can do that, man. Thank you, man. I I think the reason that I'm like that when I'm on stage is for a couple reasons. One, because I mean I've been doing it for so long. I mean I played my first show in '98, '99. So like coming up like 20 years of playing shows. That's crazy. I know, right? You, would, I mean, I'm pretty fat, but you'd think I'd be fatter than this. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> of all these. Anyway, uh, that was stupid. Uh, <laughs> um, but I've been I've been doing it so long, and I've played so many different rooms. You know, I've played to a, in a room half the size of this to 10 right. people that were listening so intensely. And then I've played a room 10 times this size to 500 people that don't give a shit. So like I, once I like have done it long enough, I realize I'm like, you need to be doing this for you yourself in the moment. And you need to be getting out of it and learning 
something about yourself while you're performing. Like that's what it should right. be. Like every performance, you should have a deeper understanding of who you are as a person, why you're an artist, why you do what you do. And for me, if I can get on stage, especially like with friends, like when I'm playing with you guys, or even if I'm solo, it's like, what's the room? What's the, what's happening in the room right now? Who's in the room? I see. Okay. 70% friends, like few right. strangers, like what's everybody's vibe. Does everybody seem happy? Is everybody like, drunk you know is everybody sober and like i try to just read the room and i just want to make everybody feel comfortable and because mm-hmm. i want to be comfortable but i also want them to feel like they're having a unique experience because i've been to so many shows where like i left i was like did i just really get to see that mm-hmm. i felt like i know who that person is now i don't just know them as the, who they are in their cd cover anymore like i feel right. like i know a little bit of who they are and, you know, when you're playing at a level like we play, you, you're mostly playing to your friends or your friend's friends. You're not playing to a lot of complete strangers. Mm. But I still want people to, like, just feel like, man, I feel like I know Jeremy a little bit better now. Yeah. You know? And I think uh, I, I did a open mic stand-up for a couple years, and, you know, it was never great, you know. But I always used to think, like, similarly if i can make one person just be like oh i really like that one guy you know that dude who played at you know the the guy who had that bit about this thing yeah like if i can make one dude out in the audience that's enough yeah just kind of take that away from the show like cool i did i did my job you know yeah i love in the the descendants documentary when bill stevenson the drummer is talking about He's like, yeah, we went from being the Descendants to playing in all where we were playing 2,000 capacity venues to 200 capacity venues, and it kind of wore down on us. But then I realized if 10 people like your band, that's yeah. fucking awesome. It's yeah. amazing. And right? I, I never forgot that, and I, I agree with it wholeheartedly. You know, like, like with this like sticker that I gave you guys, this yeah. Love the South Hate Racist sticker that I just made and this T-shirts I just made, like so many people were coming into Homegrown, the restaurant I work at here on Memorial Drive, just right down the street from where we are now. Yeah. People were like, you gonna make, you're gonna, you need to make a Twitter handle of this. You need to make YouTube videos. This could be huge, man. You could make thousands of these shirts and like they could be massive. But a part of me is like, well, it's kind of cooler if I just do like 30 or 40 of them and then like yeah. my yeah. friends have them and then I move on to something else. Hey. You didn't, yeah. you didn't make it to make it be a whole like that was thing. not that was not the purpose <laughs> like it was just like this was something i wanted to do yeah. and i did it and now that it's done move on to the next thing you know try not to take try not to take anything too seriously but take everything really really seriously right you know um you you alluded to these cd cases oh yeah and uh, wanna, oh yeah i think so, we're gonna we're gonna do a sort of a so i think if i remember correctly one of those is Christian based, and the other is Jay. You've got the one that's Christian based in your hand, Muhammad. You've got the non-Christian based. Don't CD give, cases. don't hand it to me. He's trying <laughs> to, to hand tra- it off. Trade me. with me. I will trade know with me. nothing. You're a, in you're there. a devout well, Christian. That, do, do that. Switch then. Switch then. <laughs> Switch then. <laughs> yeah, so, this will be good. You know, like I said, I graduated high school in 2000, I, and I don't know what year the first iPod was released. Muhammad, do you know? I don't. Um, my guess is probably. <laughs> I like, say, thanks for calling me I out, say, Jeremy. Well, <laughs> you, have a nice com- you have a nice computer here and these microphones. I could and, just look well, it well, up. You don't have to do that. We'll, I want to say we'll two thousand two ish. Like okay, so, it was because I, well, I I knew they they didn't exist when I was in high right. school. So this was my high school iPod. And as an artist, I'm also a huge collector and I'm incredibly OCD. So everything has its place. So these are my CD booklets preserved the way I had them in high school, what you guys have in your hands is at least 20 years old. I did this too, by the way, with the, uh, the album booklet 
behind the CDs. Oh yeah, yeah. I Actually, do that I, too. This and is just two of them, by the way. I have about eight of these at the house that are all equally nerdily uh, organized in, I, in their place. I'll say the difference is I got rid of mine immediately. <laughs> like I, by the time I was like in my maybe second apartment, so like sure. 2006, I was like, I have no room for these. Oh man, America. I'll make room for it, man. I'm a huge collector. I mean, hey, I Jay, Jay you've seen my house. Ex- explain to okay. the listeners what my house looks like. Well, when you were talking about uh, the wrestling figures, I've been in your like work studio room and... Which is also my wrestling shrine. Yeah, I was going to say, how many, if you had to ballpark, how many wrestling figures do you say you own? In my house or at also my house and my parents' house in Simpsonville, South Carolina? Let's go with that. Both? Yeah. I would say probably like 600. Jesus Christ. It's amazing. It like... Anywhere is, from like the late 80s all the way until now. And honestly. they're... And they're... And, and, and your wife is wonderful and like... She is so patient. She is a goddess. <laughs> because they're in... You'll Literally just, every room. Like if you go to the bathroom, there's a couple wrestling figures in the bathroom looking at you. Like while you're peeing, like while you're they're peeing, just, they're just staring you in the eye. Um, but <laughs> I know one band in this entire book. And well, it's MXPS. Heck yeah, man, that's great. <laughs> I really want you. I flipped to, and I think we mentioned I, them earlier. Um, I want to mention this band. Yeah, was this what you were talking about? No, I was talking about this one. But you uh, talk about this one. Go well, ahead. the the Living End. I had this album, and I actually had a second album of theirs, and I don't even really remember what they sounded. Here we like. go. I got the song right here. If you're okay, ready, let's yeah, get it. yeah, yeah. All right, I have it on my my playlist. I do know go. why I had their albums though. This was the song. This is the only song I really remember from them. But was they it the one of, from Idol. I have There was they had a song in Idol Hands, and that's why I knew. It. I just remember this being like. Oh a, yeah, roll on. I knew this yeah. song. Yeah, it was probably it's kind of like a modern day like little chanty. Yeah, I don't know who I was going to say modern day. Like I was thinking Stray Cats, but not really. Is that that chanty punk? Were they like Australian or something? I think so. Yeah, they were not from America. Yeah. I remember that. I remember. And that's really all we need to listen to. I know. Uh, yeah, that, that, I, I, you know what I remember more about the living end than anything? I remember being in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, um, my senior year of high school, or maybe it was the year after uh, high school. I was dating a girl down there who I had met at a show that my band was playing down there. And I was down there visiting her, and we were at a punk show at some place. I think we were seeing a band called The Beat Holes. Great name. <laughs> they, they, they they were called the Beat Holes, and I remember they did a cover of Got My Mind Set on You, which I thought was so cool. I, got but my I mind love set that song so much. Yeah. What's the Weird Al version? Do you remember? Ooh, uh, I don't. The song is just six oh, yeah. words long. The song is just six words long. By now, we're going to listen to Albuquerque by Al Yankovic. It's 11 minutes long. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. <laughs> We played some, again, Mason Turner, the previous episode, we played some Weird Al, because he was super into them. Uh, But I remember, I finished this just as a complete, I I remember being at this show, and I remember we were fighting about something, because that was pretty much what we did, and um, I remember seeing the living in on the television in the bar, playing on like Letterman, I remember being like, God, I wish I I was at home watching this, (laughs) and I remember her saying like, why don't you just leave and go home and watch it? And I was like, well, I'm at your home in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> By the time I get home, they won't be playing anymore. <laughs> but that's what I remember about the living in <laughs> and the beat holes. That's great. 
I was gonna say I, so. I Nell and Colin, who we talked about. Oh, I love that band uh, so much. Yeah, they're great. I, they are great. I have often referenced how the Tony Hawk Pro Skater uh, video games uh, influenced, like, showed me a lot of punk rock bands. And I remember they had this first song, "No Cigar," was on. I don't think it was the first Tony Hawk, but it was one of the like two or three or one of those like that. I love that because like I've never been a video game guy. I've mm-hmm. never played video games. Um, oh, not never. I, I, I realize what video games are. I've played a video game before. <laughs> what are these uh, video games? Video games. <laughs> this is uh, one, a song from a Mel and Colin that I had on my list that's the first track on their second album called Life on a Plate. I love this song. It's called Bullion. This is my favorite uh, Mel and Colin song from back in the day. There you go. And this is what all our high school bands sounded just like this. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, everybody that listens to this kind of music then loves this band, and yet somehow they don't seem to come off at least my tongue whenever I'm naming off like. The big punk rock bands. It's always like Rancid, No Effects, you know. Yeah. But Melon Collins amazing. For me, they are one of like the big yeah. 90s punk bands for me. They yeah. just put a new record out just like two weeks ago. Jeez. It's got some great, it's got some great stuff. Crazy. Really? Uh, yeah. It's called SOS. This was this right here was our skateboarding jams. Like Mind we, with that. Yeah, this is all are, skate, they are skate music. Skateboard music, which yeah. is great. Which is like it, it's it's it goes hand in hand, like punk rock music and skateboarding. You know what I noticed about speaking up, speaking second up. copy of the same album? Oh, yeah, you yeah, have two you copies of this one. I loved Melancholy. <laughs> so this one, uh, and, and you did it, Muhammad said you did it, uh, or did it, and, and I also did it. The, the Putting the, um, I'm also looking at Blues Traveler Dude, <laughs> 4. <laughs> you know, so like, you know, as like when, when you're 15, 16, 14 years old and you become a punk for the first time, mm-hmm. you're like, nothing exists if it's not punk. You know, I remember being like, you know, I don't like Nirvana anymore. I don't like Bush anymore. I don't like the Goo Goo Dolls anymore. I don't like Alice in Chains or Pearl Jam anymore now that I like punk. You know, but some of that stuff, you just like, you're stupid for saying you don't like it. It's great. Like, yeah, out, out, out Come the Wolves was one of my favorite albums in high school. It's fantastic. Let's listen to some of that right yeah, now. Yeah, let's my, do it, uh, my all-time favorite punk rock band is Truly Rancid. And uh, the first song I ever sang on stage was at the Greenville Ice Skating Rink, where a special <laughs> reason was playing a lock-in for a church. And I got <laughs> up, and we did this song right here. It's called Roots Radical. I love First song I, I ever love this sang song. on stage. It holds up, man. I love this album. I think these guys get kind of lumped into like the Southern Cal punk thing and kind of forgotten about, but they they were doing it better than anybody. You They're know? still doing it better than anybody. Yeah. We almost did this one at your wedding, but we did a different oh, one. We right? did Journey to the End yeah, of yeah. Listen to that bass. That's impressive. That CD you got your hand on right there, Muhammad. I'll tell you. Wait, wait, wait. I'll tell you a story about that. The Descendants. Of yeah, yeah. Um, this would have been like Subhumans. God, Subhumans. Oh my God, Subhumans are incredible. Uh, I got to see them one time. They were they, they were so so old. When I, saw them. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised uh, if you were like, yeah, they put out a new record last week. <laughs> I think their last one was in 2007, actually. Um, oh, I had this Vagrant Records uh, 
uh, sampler too. Another year on the streets. Oh yeah, here we go. I got a song off of that right here. Saves the day. We used to drive down to Columbia to see these guys play a lot back in high school. Just really, I loved his voice back then. I just really don't like his voice now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think even he likes his voice yeah. now. <laughs> uh, the anniversaries on this album. Did you guys Sweet Marie. To them? Yeah, Sweet Marie is the song. I think that's one of the few anniversary songs that I know, but I will remember that. Forever. Sweet Marie, there's a hole where your heart should be. Yeah. So good. Um, I used to sing that to my friend. Now wife, then girlfriend's mother, whose name was Marie. I used to sing it to her all the time, and she never knew what the fuck I was talking about. To go back to what I was going to say a second ago, when your hands yeah, was on. Yeah, sorry. It. I'm so like no. excited by your CD case. Oh, I'm, just, like, <laughs> I'm actually really excited to he see you like looking at it. didn't like the Christian punk rock. No, I immediately stole this. this from Jay and put it on the other. <laughs> Let um, me look at this one, because I probably, I probably yeah. will yeah. know more than you. So the, um, that Descendants summary album you had your hand on a minute ago trying to find where my descendants tune is on here so i remember it was probably eighth grade or so yeah no no album here that no cd here it's you in, have it's, the... it's in my car ah. <laughs> yeah. um which is funny um but that summary which was like a collection of like the early descendants stuff um my mom gave me like twenty dollars our school was going on like a field trip to the mall like greenville mall or something it was like some exhibit there that they were some educational exhibit that we were going on and my mom gave me 20 bucks to eat i was gonna say far too much money to give to a child when they're going to the mall but my parents god bless them they're the best people in the world um and i used all 20 dollars to buy that summary album because i left the field trip when we got to the mall i just like split (laughs) (laughs) and like went to the music store and that's the cd i bought that's Um, awesome and that was one of the first punk cds ever had and this right here blew my fucking mind when i heard it up man it holds up so i saw your tattoo you have that the uh the the tams is that who, who sang that yeah be young be yeah did we, you listen to that kind of because i i always felt like punk is sort of an anagalus to like that motown sort of doo-wop-y sort of thing like they they there's there's a lot of similar sounds. I think I got to sing that song at his wedding. It's a great song. This was the although they they the, were not in, were they a Motown band? I mean, they, from that era. they were they were a northern soul band yeah. that became a South Carolina beach music band. Yeah, they were like a southern weird thing. <laughs> yeah, they were different. And um, this was our theme song for the wedding. When they, awesome. ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, I'd like to say introduce you guys to Mr. and Mrs. Jeremy and Amanda Ray. Be young, be foolish, be happy. And then we played it for when we got introduced into the uh, reception. Mm-hmm. When we came in, me and my wife both holding our customized wrestling belts. <laughs> Championship uh, belts. We played, instead of the Tams version, we played the uh, 
Booker T and the MGs version, which was uh, all instrumental, and he oh, did cool. the, he did the lead on the organ, and then they played it as the last song of the wedding, and this is it. This is, this is probably my favorite song of all time. Yeah, come on, man. Like, you know what I mean? Though it's not that different than than a lot of like that poppy or punk stuff. Agreed. You know, it's, if you sped it up, you yeah. can still do the. Yeah. See, I, and what this is saying, all the kind of stuff I grew up listening to when yeah, I was a kid. And then, same. Yeah. yeah, this was a huge part of my childhood. Um, beach music and dance music was a big, big thing in my household. And I got this, so this tattoo right here that you're looking at, uh, you can't see it because it's faded now, <laughs> but uh, it had orange circles behind it for like a tree ring. So yeah. I went to the Earl for Dunch. On the morning of, well, the afternoon of my 30th birthday, and I did this drawing and this text with the orange tree rings behind it um, while I was eating dunch by myself at the Earl. And then I went drove over to the tattoo shop and gave them the drawing, and then they put it on. Me. So this was my 30th awesome. birthday present to myself. Nice. We'll uh, yeah, we'll cool. post a picture of it so yeah. people know yeah. what we're talking about on this audio. Uh, medium. Uh, we're also going to take some pictures of, of Jeremy's CD books because they're they're very incredible oh, and they yeah. will take you back yeah. to a to. I'm, I'm very jealous. Of this. <laughs> um, it's not too late, man. You can start your CD collection over again. That's true. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Um, I, I've I've had a wonderful time. I've also had a wonderful time, gentlemen. We three guys. This is so we can all agree. This, cheers! It. This was a great time. We're gonna cheers it. Cheers! Time. Cheers! Um, Jeremy, the floor is yours. Please promote yourself. Please tell people where they can, okay. uh, you know, see your art, buy your art, listen to your music, all these things. You are uh, one of the most talented people I know. Uh, just You've drawn a picture of us while we were sitting here talking to yeah. you, which I don't know how you even multitasked that. We're gonna. <laughs> I can hardly uh, look things up on my phone while I talk. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna take a bunch of pictures of 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 this evening and and post them up so the people listening can can see it. And hopefully we can maybe link to the Spotify playlist. So yeah, Jay yeah. oh, yeah, does yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah cool. it'll go up yeah. for sure. Well, okay. Thank you, Jay, very much, man. I appreciate all the kind words. I love you, brother. Um, so like I said, I love music more than anything and it really defines who I am. And I'm really grateful that we got to sit around this beautiful table in this beautiful place and just talk about music. It's, um, it's so important to me and I really appreciate you guys for asking me to come do this with Buddy, you guys. Buddy, thank you for coming, man. Yeah. It was great. You'll have yeah. to come Love back because I know that we didn't get to all the stuff that you wanted to. The way it goes. I'll, I'll come yeah. back under a different name and we'll talk about all the music I listened to in college. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Jeremy Ray is, is the uh, IG Instagram handle, which is where I post all of my uh, artwork and all of my murals and my drawings and uh, it's where I also post all of my music stuff uh, so today is let's see I don't know when this podcast will come out I don't know how many of you guys have done but today is Monday April 22nd on Friday April 26th Jay and I are going in uh, under the moniker Jeremy Ray in the Carolina Highway and we're going to record a live album at Radon Recordings in Cabbage Town, and then in May we're going to go into Standard Electric Audio, and we're going to record the studio version of that live album. Yeah, so oh, cool. In the fall, we're going to have a gatefold, full-length vinyl record that will come out, and the cassette companion will not be the same tracks; it'll be the live album version of that. So it'll be a double album on two different. 
platforms. And so that's what we're doing. A lot of music this year I've done primarily focused on my murals and my art for the last three years, and it kind of took a break from recording. Uh, but we're doing a lot of recording this year, also playing with Evan Stepp and the Piners, which is a band I started with my friend Evan and Stephen Katie, uh, some other good friends of mine. And, yeah, we're just staying busy here in Atlanta, Georgia, making as much art as we can, making as much music as we can, drinking as many margaritas and eating as many tacos as we can, <laughs> hanging out with our dogs. And I'm over at Homegrown. On nine six eight Memorial Drive, been managing that restaurant for about. I four gotta years. go. By the way, I've come on, you, I gotta go. It's so close. You, you literally live and, right down the street. And, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, so come, come and see me at Homegrown. Come and see me at a show. Follow me on the Instagram if you like to do so, and um, let's hang out. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing Instagram. I just followed. But yeah, yeah. Really you've good. probably seen Jeremy's work, if, even if you didn't know. Yeah, if you're uh, around it Atlanta, his, but it's it's all over the place, and it's so so great. Um, Hell yeah. He, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely check his stuff out. He's the best. Uh, Muhammad, you got anything you want to? Listen to Let's Make a Podcast with Muhammad T. Joma and Friends. Uh, we're probably wrapping up season two right now. There's a lot of good content on there. That's where this show got its start. We're going to leave you with this song by a band you've never heard of. They're called Nirvana. The song is called Breed. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I didn't even get to plug any of my stuff. Oh, plug, your stuff <laughs> plug your stuff up the song. Plug, plug it, plug it, plug it. Okay. Uh, the theme song was by Marcus. You can follow Marcus on Instagram at we underscore r underscore Marcus. Marcus, uh, my name is Jay Howell. Jeremy's you, just coming in like hosting this fucking like show. My bad, Jay. I love you, man. He's I'm doing so sorry. a better job than me, um, <laughs> especially if I'm introducing I'm kids these days to Nirvana. Up. Hey, incrementally, hey, so you better hey, get listen in there. to uh, listen to my band Pony League. Yeah, uh, if you like us uh, and you want to buy a T-shirt, Jeremy designed the T-shirt and it's really really cool. Um, Nirvana sounds weird. Oh, I accidentally hit it. <laughs> I accidentally, this is actually subhumans. <laughs> you want to hear a good you song? You are as good of a podcast host as me. Yep. <laughs> this, is good, this is a song Fair I like face. right here a lot. Jay, have you ever heard of this? Uh, yeah, once or twice. <laughs> uh, you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like us, please leave a review. Uh, Tell, tell some friends about us. Uh, we're, we're out here doing it the best we can do, uh, which is not great, but we're trying real hard. Uh, you guys are wonderful. Uh, this is my high school iPod, and it's your high school iPod, too. Until next time, this is Jay Howell saying, put a playlist on Shuffle and get out there and change the world. And- Turn around, I think I do wrong. Turn around.